Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. You can learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's a special program with Pastor Michael and his guest, Dr. Clay Jones, discussing why God allows evil. Well, hey, listening audience, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and we have a very special broadcast today with a very special guest whom I'm going to introduce in a moment, but you all know that from time to time we take a break from the expositional verse-by-verse teaching, and we do an apologetics kind of interview or tell you about an event or a little bit of both, and uh, we're excited to tell you about something that's coming up at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's a 633 event. It's happening on June the 14th, which is a Sunday evening, and it is entitled, Why Does God Allow Evil? And uh, this is always a relevant topic, the problem of evil, but it is uh, all the more, I think, on our hearts and minds as we look at our world. Uh, You know, it seems like COVID is less being talked about now, and uh, now we're looking at protests and rioting and the like, and You know, there's always something that's going on in our world that can be hard to take, hard to understand. And Dr. Jones is here, Dr. Clay Jones, our special guest, to help us through that, help us think through it biblically. Um, I've, uh, Dr. Jones, I'm going to introduce you in a moment here, but I've had a chance to watch a little bit of the YouTubes that you do and some great stuff on uh, the, the problem of evil, on suffering, and even a new book that you have coming out on the fear of death. Why don't before we formally inter, uh, introduce you, why don't you talk about that book for a moment? Yes, yeah, just about three weeks. Thanks for having me on, by the yeah. way. Thank you, Michael. Just uh, Yeah, about three weeks ago, the book just uh, came out entitled Immortal, How the mm-hmm. Fear of Death Drives Us and What We Can Do About It. And the premise of the book is, is that, uh, well, the Scripture says in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 that Jesus came to deliver those who all their lives were held in bondage by their fear of death. Uh, other translations use held in slavery by their fear of death. It, the scripture says that people are enslaved to their fear of death. Now Jesus came to, by his death, he came to free those who are in bondage to that. So the scripture tells us that the natural condition of everyone, uh, without, except for those who have a robust belief in eternal life in Jesus, the natural condition of everyone is that they are terrified uh, and held in slavery by their fear of death. Uh, most of them won't admit it. Uh, you know, if you ask them, they'll say, oh, no, no, I don't fear death. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, that, well, that's the first thing you do to handle death fears, is you deny that you even have them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and then there's, and people have various, they're handling this in various ways. Without, when you don't have Jesus, you have to do literal and symbolic immortality projects. Literal is you're, you're literally trying to live forever by eating the right things and by uh, exercise. And so people are engaging in, in things that they think are going to live past when they die. And so, but the answer to it, that these fears, though, is, is to know that you have eternal life in Jesus. It's to know the Prince of Life, uh, the author of life, and the one who came into this world to enter into our pain and, uh, you know, secure our redemption. And we're, we're definitely, you know, as believers, this puts us in a very blessed category. And this is what we want to share with people. 
Um, this is Dr. Clay Jones, and he's with us on uh, Walk in Truth, and this is Pastor Michael Lance. And we're going to be talking about the problem of evil, and this will intersect, of course, with the problem of suffering and even thinking about the fear of death. Um, Dr. Jones, I was thinking as you were talking about the fear of death and how Jesus you know, came to save us, I was thinking about the pandemic and what's going on in our world right now and how when the COVID-19 stuff broke and everybody, you know, it was there was so much unknown, the rushes that were happening in the supermarkets and <laughs> of all things, toilet paper being scarce uh, and just thinking about how people responded with fear driving them. It is a very real uh, issue in our world. It is indeed. And the thing about a thing like coming out like this, which, of course, in our lifetimes is the first time this has happened, but there's other things, you know, that scare people, of course, like wars and whatnot. Uh, but the thing about this is, uh, as hard as this is on people, this, on, this has actually a benefit for everyone, for non-Christian and Christian. And what it does is, is it unsettles our worldliness. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy for us to be in love with this present world, to be trying, even if you're Christian, trying to live the American dream and amass the, uh, the biggest 401k that you can possibly amass, and, and, and on and on. And all of a sudden, something like this comes along, and it threatens our worldliness. And that's actually a good thing. Uh, don't get me wrong, this virus is pretty horrific. But, uh, it, like I say, there's, there's how, how the Lord can use this in our lives. Uh, to cause us to go, wow, I need to re-examine myself, because a lot of Christians even are in love with this present world, and, and that is a dangerous place to be, because the world passes away. So we shouldn't be in love with it. In fact, we're commanded in First John not to be in love with this present world. And Dr. Jones, I know you've uh, pastored in your past, and uh, you may still be a, an ordained pastor now, but thinking from a pastor's standpoint, you've probably heard that you know uh, live streaming in churches has hit some unprecedented numbers, and there's been some things to celebrate. I remember hearing uh, Dr. Swindoll say that he was talking about the second coming of Christ and being prepared for it, and he said, you know, the idea of the second coming smashes our idols in our lives. And I think, you know, looking at the landscape right now, a lot of people, and, and I would say for us personally, our idols get smashed when we start thinking about eternity and what are we really living for. And I think that's what, yeah. what you're after when you've made some of those comments. Right, and that is what I'm after, is, the, is that we cannot, we're not, the Lord doesn't want us to be trusting in these idols. And by the way, in the book Immortal, the thing about, uh, you know, I go through and talk about how having children can be your immortality project because you think you're going to live on through your kids, doing a work of art, political activism, uh, these are things that, that people think are going to transcend them. But see, what the trouble is, is it becomes, these become the gods of a secular age. How am I going to transcend my death? Well, I'm going to transcend my death by uh, trusting in things, you know, that are going to make, kind of make me famous or make me significant in this world that's going to go on without me. Uh, and, and obviously a disease like this unsettles that because yes. it, it threatens it threatens our, our idols. It threatens our, what I call, immortality projects. Yes. And so it, it does that, and that's actually a good thing for our lives. You know, I, I know you've debated a lot of interesting people, and I watched a portion of your debate with a, a gentleman who was talking about a virtual world where it seemed like it was leading to the idea that you could upload your brain or your consciousness 
uh, so that when this world was created, you could be there. Uh, it was an interesting <laughs> conversation, that, to say the least. That is the, yes, but that's the atheist hope. Yeah, the so atheist hope for that. Yeah, keep going with that for a second. Well, I was just going to say the atheist. The how's the how's the atheist going to go on because they're afraid of death too. So how are they going to go on? What's their salvation? And their salvation is actually brain uploading, that we're going to be able to upload our brains uh, into computers. Uh, and so then we're going to be able to go on. In fact, it, it's weird because about three, week, uh, three weeks ago or four weeks ago, Amazon came out with a series called Upload, which is about a, a, a guy whose brain is uploaded into the computer world. But... Um, but this is their hope. The trouble with that is, there's, well, it's flawed in many ways. One of the major ways that it's flawed is uh, we have souls. <laughs> uh, yes. You can't turn your thinking into circuitry uh, because humans have souls. But see, if, you're, if I were an atheist that would believe that there was nothing in, that existed besides material stuff, I would think that we could probably make machines conscious, too. Because they go, well, we're just material stuff, and we became conscious, and if that's the case, well, then maybe machines can become conscious, and that won't happen in your anybody's lifetime. Even the, the staunchest, they realize that they're not going to be able to do this. They're going to die before that happens. And so a lot of them are hoping to be frozen, cryonically mm-hmm. frozen. Yes. And so Simon, Simon Cowell and Larry King and Seth MacFarlane all hope to be, all intend, they say, to be frozen, because that's a stopgap. I'll get frozen until they figure this out, and then they'll bring me back to life, and they can load me into a computer. The one thing I was thinking about, too, in, in this regard, and this may sound a little far out to people, but it is, it is how some people are thinking in our world, is the missing component, at least uh, as I was considering some of the discussion, is the idea of connection with God and worship and the value of being made in his image and reconnecting with him, being reconciled, and ending up being with him is missing. And it seems like that gets devalued. And so I just want this other option so that I can control my world or the future world. And it sets aside God and it says, you know, I want to be in control. So it really, it comes right back down to Romans 1, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And and again, like I say, these are these secular immortality projects, these are the gods of this age, uh, that I'm going to be famous somehow. Uh, people don't understand. For instance, the, shoot, the Las Vegas shooter, um, his brother said, well, he always wanted to be the best at any, everything, so of course he would want to have the largest ca- casualty count. Um, the guy that shot John Lennon, uh, um, Mark David Chapman, said, I did it to steal John Lennon's fame. Uh, people are doing things that they think, okay, I'm going to live in some way, in some fashion, I'm going to live beyond my actual physical death. But see, these, these are just, like I say, the gods of this age, and, and infamy is one of the ways you can do it. Obviously, so, social activism, uh, one of the troubles with social activism is people that are against your so, whatever your social activism is, if they succeed... Uh, you die twice. Not only will you have your physical death, but then you won't be able to live on for, through the social active, uh, activity that you deem so important. Mm-hmm. And so, like I say, these are, these are the gods of this age, but they're always going to fail you. 
Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and I have a very special guest, Dr. Clay Jones. He's written a book called Why Does God Allow Evil? And he's written a book about uh, Immortal as well, which we've been touching on. We have a special event coming to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. And it's entitled Why Does God Allow Evil? It's a Sunday evening event at 6.33 in the evening on June the 14th. And this is going to be a live-streamed event. We're going to have a time of Q&A where you can ask a question, and we'll tell you more about that. And Dr. Jones is our special guest, and I can't help, every time I call you Dr. Jones, I just think of Indiana Jones in the movie, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it's, it's, I, Pastor Michael, I guarantee you it's not just you. <laughs> many, many a student have, have, has come up to me and addressed me that way, so yeah. Well, let, let me, while we're taking a quick pause here from the content, let me ask you a question. How did you get into this subject matter? I've read a little bit of your bio and, you know, some of your comments. And and uh, this is, you know, some people would say that this is kind of a bummer area of study, but it is very necessary. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you ended up here and a little bit about your background. I find it exhilarating, by the way. But what happened was in, I was a, when I was a young pastor uh, at... Uh, in 1981, 1982, I started, I read, I was reading this book and it began to, and all of a sudden something clicked in me. And what it was is I began to realize the glory that awaited in heaven, us in heaven forever. And that's all I wanted to teach on. And this, by the way, uh, since you're in Corona, this was in Yorba Linda. Um, mm. And uh, uh, I was, and so I, I, but that's what I wanted to teach on the most. And so I am, I uh, started studying this and teaching on it as often as I possibly could. And as and then after several years of teaching on the glory that awaits us in heaven forever and what it means for us to be a Christian, then I thought, you know, where did we come from? What you know? Because now I've understood the glory of where we're going. Where did we come from? And so I started studying what it means for us to what it means to. And curiously, I started studying genocide, and I studied genocide in great deal. At first, I was just studying it, you know, I mean, just out of, well, let's just look at this a little bit. But something happened to me once I, and here's the big thing. Every genocide researcher that I've read, and I've read many of them, and every, in fact, every genocide victim I've read, and I've read many of them, uh, agrees that it's the average member, ordinary member of a population that commits genocide. Uh, that genocide is precisely human. It's what humans do. They're not, they're not monsters. They're not sadists. I'm not saying there aren't any sadists, but that. They're just ordinary people. And when I, this clicks, this is the kind of thing when you study this enough, this, when this clicked in and I understood the horror of where we came from and the glory to where we were going, for me, the problem of evil largely just went away. Mm -hmm. uh, I still had many questions to answer, but it largely went away. And D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous expositor of Westminster Chapel in London, yes. he put it this way. He says, most of our problems are due to a double failure. We fail on one hand to understand the depth of our sinfulness, and we fail on the other hand to understand the wonder and the glory that awaits us forever. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I think that's... That's exactly right, I think. But anyway, as I anyway, so understanding those things, somebody, the problem of evil, frankly, just seemed rather small to me once I understood those things. Uh, and somebody said, "Why don't you write a book?" Well, I didn't know it was going to take me twenty-three years to publish it, but <laughs> but uh, I did. And so yes. uh, anyway, and that's been one of the major things. It's been the major thing I've been teaching at Talbot School of Theology. Mm. Uh, at Biola University, and and uh, and but see if you have one last thing. If you have 
a huge comprehension of the glory that awaits you in heaven forever, you're not going to be bummed out uh, in this world by studying this. You won't be, because it's awesome. Mm. And I know the Apostle Paul talks about how when we get a hold of that, you know, it does put our suffering, it pales in comparison. But but let's right. let's walk this out for a second, because I can hear some of the hearts of our listeners, and, you know, they may be saying, you know, Dr. Jones, that sounds easy for you, but... You know, I just have had a loved one die the other day or, you know, I'm looking around and my business was burned uh, by a looter or, you know, whatever. We, we can talk about the genocide that I know you've studied and is horrific to consider. So walk that out a little bit. How how can someone get to the point where they could have the problem of evil or why does God allow evil in a place where, you know, it, it's not that heavy on them? You know, help us with that. Right. Well, let me say at the outset, you know, when somebody has just suffered a loss, when somebody has just had a child die, or sadly, if their business has been destroyed or they've been out of work, uh, I don't even, and I tell my students not to, I don't, I don't, I don't sit down and say, let me explain how, the, how God's larger plan is going on in the universe, because the Scripture says that we need to weep with those who weep. Uh, people need our help. They need our support. Maybe they need us to come into their uh, burned-out office and help them clean it up, or whatever it is. Uh, maybe if they found out they've got cancer, they need meals. Uh, I had bone cancer some years ago, and and boy, I'll tell you, bringing me our Jeannie and I meals was tremendous. So anyway, just at the outset, uh, because I think that the last thing that people need, if they've just suffered a horrific loss, and they're not really looking for. Is an understanding of you know how the what God's doing in the universe. But that being said, there does come a time where people say, "I, I want to know, I, I need to know, and uh, what, what's going on in the universe." And for those people, my biggest thing is, and I can't emphasize this enough: we need to have a robust view of eternal life in forever in heaven. And we don't. Most Christians do not. In fact. I think Satan has done some of his very, very best work in making heaven look like a place you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, you know, we're going to be sitting on clouds, strumming harps, sporting flightless wings, singing forever and ever and ever. Uh, boy, if that's if that's heaven. I don't want to go there either because that yeah. sounds really terrible. Uh, but that's not what the Bible portrays is going to happen to us. In fact, I call what Satan's done there uh, extreme makeover, metaphysical edition. Mm. Well, and, and, and let me chime in for a second just to say that I know in our church culture, these are some of the things that unfortunately have been created by a uh, focus on the now instead of having a good, healthy, robust view of eternity in the future. And so the church uh, is responsible for some of these attitudes where I think we haven't prepared people well uh, to be thinking about eternal things. And then we're watching Dr. Jones as well. Um, you know, people depart from the faith, uh, people coming out from Christian bands and saying, I'm no longer a Christian. And it really impacts people. And, and you start to wonder, is it because, do you think it's because, at least in part, we just have not taught enough on this? Oh, I think that it, absolutely. And by the way, you mentioned uh, John uh, John of uh, Nelson Hawk coming out yes. saying he's not a Christian. If uh, your listeners go to Air One or K-Love's website, they can find, I did 
a four-part uh, response to his uh, coming out and saying he wasn't a Christian anymore. And you can find that on the K-Love or Air One websites, uh, because I think I thought it was so necessary. And and uh, so and it's uh, not only him; it's uh, Marty Sampson from Hillsong. Right. And what's interesting, and I want you to go on with your thought, but what's interesting about in both of those cases, I noticed they both appealed to the problem of evil as the reason yep. that they were considering, you know, going elsewhere or abandoning their faith. That's right. Brittany Valadez, who works for K-Love and Air One, asked me, she's a former student of mine, and she asked me if I would do, you know, answer this via blog. And so there's actually two hours, if you go to those web, four different, four different uh, posts, uh, four different videos that are all together amounts to two hours where I answer him point by point. But the trouble is, you mentioned, um, Michael, you mentioned something that to me is just absolutely central to this whole drama, and that is, is the church doing the job it needs to do? One, the church often, churches often don't talk about the the really gritty issues. That's why I'm glad to be coming to your church, that you think this is important enough. Uh, also, churches don't talk much about heaven. Most of them don't. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I give. I have a sermon that I give on heaven, uh, and I've had people come up to me after I've given it when I give it to this or that church and say, you know, I've never heard a sermon on heaven. Mm. Uh, wow. And and so I, a, 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 an undergrad came up to me some years ago, and she fought back tears as she confessed to me that she was afraid that she didn't want to go to heaven. Uh, then I went into our apologetics office at Talbot School of Theology, and I said, uh, I, I told this 20-something gal that was working there, I, that what happened, she looked at me, and she said, I have the same fear. See, so what we need to do is we need to change the way people see heaven. That They need to see it much more positively than they do. Mm. You, that we're not going to be sitting on clouds and strumming harps forever and ever. In fact, we're not even going to be singing nonstop. That's just simply not true. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so I, I go through. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So anyway, I so we do need we we need to talk about eternity a lot more than we do because the the New Testament always pits the spring of this life against the joys of e, of eternal life always. Yes. Uh, and and if we don't do that, then people are going to go. Well, I guess you just suffer, and then you'd like die, and then they have this kind of. And I guess you get to go to heaven, whatever that means. And if you don't want to go there, then this life becomes really all there is. Uh, and yes. so, and then when trouble happens in this life, you go, why isn't uh, you know how come God's allowing this? And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't care that much about whether we have a successful life here. Uh, he's, he, Jesus died. On, Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us an improved lifestyle here. He died on the cross uh, to give us eternal life. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, we have one of our students in our program. She just graduated, was Egyptian, living living in Egypt, was a Muslim. She started having dreams and visions of Jesus preaching the gospel to her. She became a Christian. Her brother reported her to the Egyptian authorities and told her family. She now has. is peace with God and knows she's going to live forever. But we Christians need to be sure, make sure that we're understanding one of the most important points of all, and that is Jesus didn't, Jesus wants to transform you into servant that you can be, that you can inherit the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. That's what this life is about. And you know, Dr. Jones, thinking about uh, the gospel 
we this is why I think we need to recapture a sense of urgency for the gospel. And I think I think we've lost a lot of that. One of the things that captures me just, you know, as I as I work through the Bible, as I ponder things uh, of eternity is just that face to face encounter with my Lord. And we need we need to we need to have that recapture us again. And uh, I think I, I would like to just take a moment to challenge the listeners of Walk in Truth that, hey, if you've been spending, you know, more time with otherworldly things and you're not. You know, there, there's plenty of information accessible to you to learn about these kinds of concepts and to have a robust view of eternity. And sometimes, frankly, we just need to be smacked back into biblical reality. And so my my challenge to you, my brother, my sister, my friend, even if you're a non-Christian listening right now, is start to consider your soul, man. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gain the whole world, not just a city block, not an island, if you gain the whole world and forfeited your soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. I have a special guest, Dr. Clay Jones, and he's talking to us about uh, why does God allow evil? And uh, this is going to be concluding part one, but I want you to come back tomorrow because we're going to tell you more about the subject matter, more about the event happening at Living Truth in Corona. Why does God allow evil? And we will see you tomorrow right here on Walking Truth. God bless you. Make sure you tune in and tell a friend. You've been listening to part one of a special edition of Walking Truth with Pastor Michael Lance and his guest, Dr. Clay Jones, discussing why God allows evil. Make sure to check out Dr. Clay Jones's book when you visit walkintruth.com. And one more thing. As you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. If you could give a $5 donation today, that would really help our ministry to continue bringing program like today's on radio and podcast. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And remember, every dollar helps. So thank you so much for your contribution. Tune in tomorrow for more of this conversation between Pastor Michael and Dr. Clay Jones about why God allows evil. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening today to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.